Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur, the CEO of the Symbol Role. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? <laughs> the fuck is a Symbol Role? I have no idea. Danny, I was, that's not a thing. I was trying to, you know, like, okay, so my mind immediately for that was like CEO of the ROC. I was like, what's a drum equivalent? Symbol, Symbol Role, whatever. Stick to oh, Sports Gallagher. Goodness, I get it. Like, what's up? like one of these new, these new rappers I hear. So, so it's pretty funny. My entire window into like contemporary hip hop at this point is through the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. That's fine. <laughs> and because of my kids. Yeah. And there are some parts of it where, uh, you know, these kids are rapping on there and I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. You're literally just putting words together. I don't know if it was like that the whole time, but I think like I think your intro was a little close to that. Oh, so so you're saying that I'm a SoundCloud rapper? Honestly, what I'm about not the for donkey all. roll. Give me the donkey roll. <laughs> the donkey roll. I'm yeah. a Breakfast Club donkey of the day over here. But uh, Benny, before we get too far into this, uh, you at all excited, Mr. Elon Musk himself hosting SNL this week? Yeah, yeah. I think it's fun. Why not? I I I don't know how he's gonna play it. I mean, I think. When they take people like that, they often, they, you know, they're smart. They know their limitations, right? Mm. They're not going to try to make him act like too much. They, they're going to make him play him in different contexts and let the other people do the work. So I think it has a, a high chance of being funny. Um, he seems to be the type of guy who can make fun of himself. But I do wonder if they're stumbling into another like Trump. Yeah, like yeah. two years from now, he like, you know, owns half of Africa and is like taking over, <laughs> you know, he's some sort of weird tech oligarch <laughs> who's like shooting people in cannons to Mars and stuff. Like, uh, you know, if that happens, <laughs> then SNL made another mistake, I guess. You know who they've never had host? Ironically, they've never had Bill Gates host. Um, what do you think happened with Bill and Melinda? Honestly, an affair? There has to be somebody like really serious on the side that there's been for a while because when you're that rich, you can have houses in different places, you can have your entire other life, right? So yeah. there has to be somebody that is like, hey, if you don't break up with her, I'm gone. And he must really value her. Like he like, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have. I feel like you know, it can all kind of men get caught up in this sometimes. And you know, hopefully women do too it's just like in like the power and you know wanting to sow your wild oats because that you can't buy <laughs> yeah but it's like it's not like bill gates can just like you know like go to a uh you know a tourist island and pop his shirt off and just start like <laughs> you know drinking hard and getting into it like i don't know who's bill gonna go out there and date and you ask this question like I haven't thought about it. If <laughs> if if him and Mackenzie Bezos don't end up together, I don't know what we're oh even doing God. here. Come oh on, you got to keep it in the Illuminati, dude. If she did that, oh my God! And she had just for the sheer uh, way it would play out. I'd love to see her marry Bill Gates and then divorce him in like another ten years, <laughs> and then she becomes the richest person in the world. But I actually, have you been following her uh, path at all since the divorce? She's actually yeah, she's been quite yeah, quite the philanthropist, committed to uh, 
a lot of good things. So, you know, maybe some some rich motherfuckers deserve their couches. I don't know. I mean, hey, if if she starts giving away close to $5 billion a year, which is what Bill and Melinda were doing, that's wild. Eh? So, eh? hey, man, he's trying to save the planet. Like, imagine if this whole thing was like, like, I'm not stimulated enough just by trying to save the world. I mean, like, like, come on. How, when you're in your 60s, is that not stimulating enough to do a God complex? It's funny you bring up stimulation because the thing that comes to mind for me when this happens is that, like, one of them went subversive. You know, like, I think it's a Chuck Rhodes situation. Like, what if Bill's a latex guy now, (laughs) you know, and he needs some interesting stuff? What if Melinda. You know, likes a little S and M. She likes to dom on Bill a little. Like, like, what if something like that went rogue? We always create these narratives that there's just like two separate people living in two separate ivory towers with their like own teams and their own money. And there's it's probably like some dumb bullshit that like we <laughs> all go through. Like, uh, like Melinda you know doesn't fold up the recycling correctly right no it was exactly you know (laughs) like like some because he's probably a tight ass you know i'd have to assume that type of guy imagine the types of ocds (laughs) that a guy like bill gates has like in the bedroom in the home like what is his ritual for brushing his teeth and keeping his clothes clean and his food he's probably the biggest freak yeah he's probably got like the weirdest little you know ocds about everything he does which could make just a person like fucking impossible to be around you know i would imagine that over the past year they've probably been together for more days than they have been in quite a few times you know one would be in like africa trying to save the world and they were forced to be in the same house together and they were like (laughs) who the fuck is this person yeah, maybe the foundation was just them like running away from each other. That's a good point. This could be the most prolific pandemic divorce there is. R.I.P. Bill and Melinda, but not in like a COVID way. In like a, you shouldn't even yeah. joke R.I.P. anymore. Honestly, Twitter kills oh, yeah. off more people. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna keep it moving. I always in, in the start of this show always find a way to kind of. Uh, you know, step in it. And I did right there. So, Benny, let's get back to something that I actually know a little bit about. Let's get into some basketball, shall we? Let's let's do it. All right. So, and for all of you that come here for the music part, we're going to get to that down the road. Uh, we're going to have all of your favorites. This day, music history. We're going to get into the Chili Peppers, uh, selling their entire catalog. And even music and science. Mm-hmm. Finally together at last. But mm-hmm. first, here on the basketball front, Benny, the play-in tournament is weeks away, and teams are jacking for position. How the NBA play-in tournament is going to work, uh, the 7 and 8 seeds will play each other in a one-off game. Uh, the winner will take on the 2 seed in the first round of the playoffs. The loser of the 7-8 game will play the winner of the 9-10 matchup. And then the winner of that game will play the one seed in the first round. So it's pretty much win and you're in the higher seed you are and the lower seed you are, you got to play more games. Pretty straightforward. They did this last year, so they're not really breaking too much ground here. All right, so let's go conference by conference. So if the season ended today, uh, the 7-8 matchup in the East would be the Heat, and they would take on Charlotte. And then the loser would play the winner of Pacers-Wizards. 
And, uh, you know, quick side note here, the Raptors are three and a half games behind the Pacers, and the Pacers can't seem to do anything right, ne- right now. So, Benny, do you think we'll see any changes in the East, or is it pretty locked in? No, not locked in at all. Um, you know, between four and seven, you have the Knicks, Hawks, Celtics, Heat, all within two games of each other, mm. all of which vying not to go to the playing game. So one of those teams is going to wind in the play-in tournament um, and the others will coast through. So that is a huge implication. Uh, as far as their schedules go, I'd say the Hawks are in because they have a clean schedule. I think the Celtics and the Heat, they have uh, two back-to-back against each other next week that could determine their positioning. The team flipping into the playoff game is these New York Knicks, oh, which, come on. you know, Listen, it's been a little Knicks crazy the last the last week or two. Okay, Mm -hmm. Knicks fans. I always root for the Knicks. I want them to do well. But every time they do, I'm quickly reminded about how obnoxious New York Knicks fans can be. (laughs) They're pretty close to Yankees fans as far as like the second they're good. There is nothing more important than the New York Knicks. But from an actual schedule perspective, they got smoked by Denver last night. I mean, Mm -hmm. fair enough. Most people do. But coming up, they have the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Celtics to finish it out. Uh, Who knows what's going to be the Spurs by that point. But that's five of the six games where every one of those teams is a playoff team jockeying for position. Um, And there is a look to them where I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, they might drop a few of these games and they might wind up in the play-in tournament. Not meaning that they can't get out of the play-in tournament, but... It's certainly not locked up. So I think in the next week, we, uh, we're we really going to see who um, who's coming out of that group in the middle. And then towards the back there, um, I, I, I don't know if Toronto catches up. Um, that's a, a huge amount of games. I mean, it yeah. would take pretty much uh, a couple weeks, you know, yeah. the Wizards or the Pacers losing out and then winning out, which is definitely possible. Um, Maybe the talk of uh, Nate Bjorkinger Jorkin losing his job Bjorken, will get the yeah. Pacers a little worked <laughs> up. Um, so I, I, I think the back end of that is is uh, is pretty squared away. And um, I think because of the way like the Wizards are playing and some of these teams that the, that group of four that I was just referring to are are desperately clawing to to get above that six seed. I'll tell you what, these Wizards right now, we had them marked dead, and I know we brought this up last week, but we had them marked dead, and right now I'm pretty sure that there are very few teams that, that you'd want to face uh, if you're a team in the Eastern Conference, especially in like a one-game one playoff. you got to face Beal and uh, Westbrook. And, you know, I was listening uh, to the Athletics NBA show with David Aldridge, and he said, you know, this kind of feels like a, a team like they did when both Beal and John Wall were young and Paul Pierce came and joined up with them. So you never know. The mm. the future of, of this organization could be interesting depending really on their next couple uh, games here because I feel like they've already, you know, their GM, Tommy Shepard, he, he was on the hot seat. The month of April completely saved his job. And then if they can go on, on a bit of a run here, it's interesting. 
All right, Benny, as the playoff chase is underway, some teams are already looking to the future and are potentially looking at making a coaching change. Uh, in a move that I kind of find unprofessional, Shams and Sam Amick of The Athletic are reporting that um, Terry Stotts' future in Portland is all but over, barring a miracle postseason run by the Blazers. This, uh, they're saying the same thing about Coach Bud. It's pretty much NBA Finals or bust. And my question to you, Benny, is should this be the case? Should either Terry Stotts or Mike Boonholzer be coaching for their jobs here this postseason? So uh, th- this is like a, a no, I'm going to say no and yes answer to mm. go in reverse, okay? So with Portland, Stotts made the conference finals two years ago, got swept by a semi-legendary Warriors team. Yeah. Um. Last season beat by the eventual NBA champion Lakers, even though they dogged it, but it was a, you know, it's the fucking bubble. Who knows what was going on? Mm-hmm. They've been in the playoffs every season since 13, 14. And and at this point, like, who are you who are you getting that's gonna do a better job than Terry Stotts? You know? As far as Bud is concerned, you know, he uh went to a conference finals two years ago against the eventual champion Raptors semifinals to the heat last season again dogged it but it was the bubble like i don't know what was happening and uh he's been in the playoffs every year since 16 17 so no neither really deserve to be on the hot seat Mm. they're they're both you know leading uh teams especially portland in in the the kinds of teams they've been playing against the last six seven years you know and the things they've been uh competing against literally a team that they were facing for a few years, the only one who could take down was a miraculous LeBron James run. So I don't think they deserve to be on the hot seat, but there's a big but to this. <laughs> there's a whole business element to both of these teams that you have to consider. Both of these teams are heavily invested and stuck in the current rosters they have. Mm. The kind of capital the Blazers gave up to uh, bring in Covington, sign Jones, sign Giles, like which is throwing away some money. You know, they uh, are well over the tax. They don't have a lot of trade options. They don't have a lot of picks. And then as far as the Bucs are concerned, they are all in on this big three, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no draft capital, not a lot of moving pieces. And unless you start trading one of these big dogs, which they're not going to do. Uh, so... This puts GMs and fans in this weird mercy where if they do not succeed in the next year or two, a change has to be made. Since a change cannot be made to the roster, it will be made to the coach. So this is where I have a no and yes answer. Do they deserve to be fired? No, they don't. Will they be fired? In Terry Stotts' case, almost definitely yes. Uh, but I think he might have another year depending on what happens here. Um, but yeah, that's my answer. So no one. Yes. Yeah. The unfortunate thing in Portland is they are, you need to appease Damian Lillard. Like you want to see the, him play out the rest of his career in Portland. That's, that's priority. Number one, unfortunately, like you said, they played some all time great teams during Dame's career 
And it's like, like there's a reason Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley don't have championships because they ran into these behemoths. And, and it's it. the same thing. And, I mean, at a certain point, I feel like fan bases do get tired of, hey, let's just run it back and hope for different results um, because everyone's just kind of working on, on, on up the food chain. The coach kind of reports to the general manager, and if the general manager doesn't do something, he's going to be out of a job as well. And you're exactly right in the idea of you can't really, unless you have a big three like Brooklyn, where it's like, okay, these guys are like all timers. It's kind of tough to tie yourself to each team's individual big three. I mean, yes, Milwaukee's is like a little bit better, but in, in the case of Portland, man, that team was never coming out of the West because, you know, once they like, oh, Golden State may be over, then they have to deal with LeBron. You're not topping that. So it's it's super unfortunate. Uh, Terry will get another job, but it just kind of be a situation because he's very well respected, but it's just kind of one of those situations where, all right, let's put together the resume because it looks like he's going to be out of town real soon. But on the other hand, should be playing and coaching for his job because it's championship or bust this team's capable yes you've shown that you can win 60 games in a regular season that's all well well and good but man you gotta at least get to the finals to keep your job one interesting thing here in portland benny there is a familiar name to both of us that has come up in contention for this job do you know who it is uh bill walton jason kidd for the Portland job. Oh, I can't man. like how does this guy keep uh, like I get we have to revere the all-time greats in this game but the fact that he keeps getting the opportunity to coach basketball teams is is r- ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. The one thing though I I I'd like to bring up because you know the NBA has really become a a title or bust league, you know, mm-hmm. the idea that if you don't get to the holy grail with a certain group of players within a few seasons, you need to break it up and try again with another group of players. And Mm. I'd like to bring up the Raptors of two years ago as the case example that some years a very good middle to top tier team can sneak through because of other things. And this season happens to be one of those. This is a year I could see a Denver, a Portland, uh, you know, a Miami, one of these teams And you have Brooklyn, you have the Lakers, you have all these teams with so many question marks at the top. This could easily be one of those seasons where uh, a Portland, a team who is playoff tested, knows what they're doing, knows exactly what their game plan is, has uh, more reserves than they've had in the past, can sneak through. So I think there's more value into being a competitive good playoff level team every year than people give credit for. And I think more teams should keep these cores together and try for a little longer if they can, you know? And I'm just not sure how you appease Dame because we're in this culture of, you know, and how many times have we talked about it on this podcast where it's all about winning the championship and he wants his opportunity to win. And I feel like we've felt this way for five years. That's not going to happen in Portland. Now where he would go, Next, I mean, then that's that's a whole other conversation. But I think that you'd probably be less likely to keep Dame in Portland if you fired Terry Stotts because those two, those two have a great relationship. Yeah, I mean, it would be the, the year after. Stotts would be the first head to roll. Mm. 
All right, Benny, another hoop story we got this week uh, came courtesy of LeBron James. And I know it happened earlier in the week, and we it's kind of played out. But um, So LeBron James this week had some not-so-nice comments about the playing tournament. LeBron said that whoever came up with this shit, and shit I'm, I'm going to assume being a playing Ooh. tournament, not Space Jam 2, should be fired. Uh, this came months after tweeting, hey, I'd love to play in the playing tournament. <laughs> Benny, I... Uh, there's one thing I love. I love LeBron James hypocrisy. What do you make of this? Uh, I think it's, I think it's funny. I mean, literally. So who's been the most outspoken so far? Mark Cuban, who voted for it. <laughs> playing tournament. Luka Doncic, who's potentially going to be in it. <laughs> and LeBron James, who is also now potentially going to be in it. When he thought there was no chance he could be in it. Yeah. The playing tournament was a good idea. <laughs> and now that the Lakers are eking towards that that seven seat, which is altogether possible they yeah. get there now, of course he hates it. <laughs> so the fact that the most outspoken people thus far are players and owners looking to get sucked into it, to me is proof positive it's working. Yeah. So, okay, I came up with a list for you. Yeah. Here is a list of players that are currently busting their ass game to game mm-hmm. rather than being in full tank mode. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is Zion Williamson, mm-hmm. Steph Curry, Brad Beal, Russell Westbrook, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Lowry, Nick Vucevic, Draymond Green, DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, Buddy Heald, and most importantly, Doug McDermott and TJ McConnell, <laughs> the pride of white Indiana. So like, the simple fact that that list I just named of, of all NBA players, all stars, Zion, you know what I mean? Actually still playing uh, with the record he has and only being, uh, what, a game and a half away from catching the Spurs into a 10 seed and then potentially giving the NBA uh, a Spurs Warriors like 9 10 mm-hmm. matchup, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, not Spurs Warriors, Warriors Pelicans, nine ten mm. matchup. You got Zion Steph Curry in the first play on game. Like these are all great things for the league. And if anybody can't see that, I don't think they get it. I also don't. Uh, you mentioned it earlier in the show. I don't think it's being mentioned enough. The the actual statistical advantage of still making the top eight. Mm. You know, there's still a d- difference between eight and nine. Uh, the fact that you need to win one game to go into the playoffs rather than two is really big. Yeah. So, you know, there's also an element to that. I am uh, still week by week uh, pro playing. And I think whoever uh, cancels it before next season uh, should be should be fucking fired, as LeBron said. <laughs> this should be a permanent thing yeah. for the NBA. I, I, at this point in the season, it became so exhausting as an NBA fan to watch 15 teams mindlessly play each other for no reason. Yeah. Literally teams trying to lose and putting out the worst squads they can in an effort to lose. That was awful for the league. And the fact that LeBron James has never had to be part of that Mm. might be one of the reasons he's saying what he's saying. He's never been in that situation where you're literally 35 games into a season and you know you're done. Mm. And you literally have to walk through like 50 games of a season of your career knowing there's no chance and knowing the GM and the coaches and everyone are behind you losing. 
that is a serious problem and it sucked for fans. So I love what they did to the draft lottery odds. I love the playing game. I am still totally for it. And you know I'm pro LeBron. Mm-hmm. I usually don't go I usually don't go anti LeBron. <laughs> On this one, you're wrong, buddy. You're wrong. No, the playing tournament is 100% here to stay because look at the trend when it comes to sports and and TV rights. The NFL added another meaningless week um, when the NBA's TV contract comes up. They negotiate probably even more into it. I I bet you we're going to see nobody is eliminated. Um, So it it just seems to be the way that it's going, and it's going to be so much fun. People are, uh, I feel like you're casuals, uh, to borrow a term, um, are way more into you know what's happening. I mean, the this could not have played out any better for them. You're going to have two of the greatest organizations of the last 20 years playing each other potentially in the Warriors and the Spurs. And to comment on what you said about Luka Doncic complaining, this dude is, n- number one, this dude's young, and number two, growing up in Europe, I mean, he, w- he played like... S- five games a a week with like Eurobasket and like (laughs) all of that stuff. So it's like, dude, you've been there before Mark Cuban. This is probably lining his pockets. You don't get a couple extra home games this year, especially with Texas up at full capacity. Nobody should be complaining here except LeBron James and LeBron James would probably be injured for those games. Anyway, Luca just doesn't want to hang out with Chris Stapps anymore, (laughs) but that's a whole nother segment. He's tired of of uh, JJ Reddick asking him to come on his podcast. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> All right, Benny. Well, we haven't gotten t- into this on the show either, but the Aaron Rodgers green situation in Green Bay is an absolute mess. He's telling free agents he won't be there next year. He's telling his teammates he'll be back. Uh, but one nugget from the story caught our eye here at the tune-up, and you guessed it, it's, ho- it's hoops-related. Uh, according to sources, Aaron Rodgers has mocked the Packers GM in a group chat referring to him as Jerry Krause. Boy, uh, this, this reported by Bob McGinn of The Athletic. Uh, not sure where the Scottie Pippen contract is in Green Bay, but I have a, b- before we dive into all of this, is this more of a legit Bulls callback, or is this Aaron uh, piggybacking on the last dance well both yeah you know where he plays like you know i i'd imagine that a lot of people in green bay are pretty hardcore bulls fans i'd assume so i think it does ring true and it's pertinent to the situation he's in i'd like to add again from the last dance to now can we stop trampling over a dead man's body this hard? Yeah. This Jerry Krause, this poor guy who can't speak for himself, <laughs> gets fucking killed everywhere he is. And he can't. It, it makes me feel bad every time. Yeah. I just got to say that. But I, I don't know. I think it's Aaron Rodgers just again. I, I don't know exactly what his angle is, if he's really trying to get out or if he's just trying to make a statement. Now that he's singling out one person in particular, the scenarios in play that, hey, Aaron, do you want us to fire this GM? And then then you're okay? Because he's actually, maybe he's opening the door for that being a possibility now. But who knows? It's kind of mean. Uh, definitely a nod to the last dance. But here's the thing again, and I think we brought this up a few weeks ago, is like, this is a classic mistake that's been playing out time and time and time again. We've literally been doing this podcast for like a year and and a half and we've talked about it half a dozen times you gotta consult with your big dog mm-hmm. you know how many times we need to see this you have an engaged 
Hall of Fame quarterback who's beloved in your town, you give the guy a fucking call. Yeah. You say, hey, we love Jordan Love, but he's like two years away. Minimum. This is your team. We love you. If you don't want us to draft them, we won't. Like, like you got to give him at least the illusion that he has some power, the illusion that 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 he's there for a reason. It's it's almost like these people who are trained in business uh, uh, completely forget like a social aspect of it. You know, mm. you have to make people feel engaged. It, it goes in this way in every single business there is. And if you keep trying to kick up this like employer employee thing with people like Aaron fucking Rogers, you're just going to fail most times. I think this is another precursor and a cue to how this all just needs to be done differently in the future, especially in the era of social media mm. when these guys can speak for themselves. Yeah, the NFL always, you know, they are the least player-empowered league. I think they can cut guys. They Contracts not guaranteed, all of that stuff, and they just don't expect this. They think that their stars should just sit in line, you know, wait their turn and not have any say over their career. And then you get those few guys in the league that can actually do something about it. And you know, good for Aaron, but here's my here's my big caveat. Here's why I hate this. I don't want my next Jeopardy host acting like this. This gives him like something I'm very passionate about. LeVar Burton would never do this. That's all. It's true. That is true. <laughs> All right, we're halfway through the podcast. Uh, turning the page to the music side of things. Let's get into this day in music history. This one's fun. Yeah. In 1968, on a plane ride returning home from his last gig with the band Bluesology, <laughs> keyboard player Reginald Dwight was looking for a stage name that he could use for his burgeoning solo career. So in the cabin, he came across the band's horn player, Elton Dean, and lead singer, Long John Baldry. And he asked them if he could appropriate their names to concoct a new one for himself. They agree. And Elton John is born mm, in 1968. <laughs> I had no idea this story. It's pretty fun. So there's a mix between a man named Elton Dean and another man named Long John Baldry. And that's how Elton John was born. So it led me to think, in my current bands, what would be the coolest name I could come up with? And I got to say, in Mercy Union, I could be a man named Rocky Hart. Oh, that's good. Which, I mean, I could be a porn star, wrestler, like any number of Shock things with a name like that. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty into this. I might have to go ahead and change my name. Afternoon Drive with Rocky Hard on. Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on. It's good. Good. All right, Benny. Well, I'm going to keep it all the way in New Jersey with this one. <laughs> on this day in 1991, Wilson Pickett was arrested after running into an 86-year-old man and yelling death threats uh, while driving his car over, over the mayor's front lawn in Inglewood, New Jersey. Uh, Pickett was charged with driving with open bottles of alcohol in the car. So... Ooh. Wow, that's a, that's a bad look. Yeah, that's all the way around. That's like the holy trinity of uh, things you shouldn't Yikes. do in a car. Yeah, wait, what do we got there? Drunk driving, <laughs> trying to hit an old man. Manslaughter. Yeah, ooh, this is yeah. Threats. Rough day, Wilson. Rough day. Man. Um, no comment on what the bail or anything was, but I'm assuming that, that there are some NDAs 
involved, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, you know, in those days, <laughs> he, had, he had a team that got him out. <laughs> All right, Benny, first music headline today. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are selling their song catalog to uh, Hypnosis Songs. I love how they spell this company. Yeah. Hip with a G in there. Love it. Um, for upwards of $140 million, sources confirmed to Variety, making them, and this was funny on Variety's part, calling them a heritage artist. Red Hot Chili Peppers are a heritage artist. Uh, but the market for uh, selling your catalogs is huge. Bob Dylan earned uh, close to $300 million. Uh, Stevie Nicks sold her, I think this is her, her solo her solo catalog for $100 million. But are you surprised that a band this young decided to go ahead and sell their catalog? Well, I mean, I, I, they're not that young. I mean, so that's like what, they're not Bob Dylan. That's one know? of the things is like, you know, the chili, when I heard about this story, I was like, oh, chili peppers. Oh, right. Like they've been around for like 30 years. Right. And their biggest hits were, were 20 plus years ago. Um, you know, they haven't had real like mainstream success probably since like Californication. So, mm. you know, they are a legacy band at this point. Like, are you going to an arena show to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers perform a bunch of like new songs that, the, from new albums or something. No, like you're there for under the bridge. You got your lighter ready, you know? So they are a heritage artist at this point, even though since we're getting old, they don't feel that old. But uh, this company, what they spent a billion dollars or excuse, a billion pounds in the past mm. three years uh, to, to get what uh, Shakira um, Fleetwood Mac, uh, 50% of Neil Young's uh catalog stuff from jimmy iovine you know like this is obviously like a, a really um a major shift going on we've discussed it a lot on the show that my experience in the royalty business and the publishing business leaves these decisions with my utter lack of surprise um and so much of it is because it's a very convoluted industry with a million different players and a million different decisions and I completely understand the idea of why people would want to wash their hands of it, especially again, we're talking about, I don't know who owns it exactly, but we're talking about three or four guys in their fifties yeah. who are about to divvy up $20 million checks to each <laughs> other for shit. They know they're going to die and people are eventually going to gobble up anyway. Like, like, you know, picking on their ashes. So, you might as well get that dough to like your family now. If you keep seeing it play out time and time again, that these historical bands are just getting hijacked long after their deaths, then why wouldn't you capitalize on this when you're alive? I think the thing that this alludes to is that there needs to be a more protected long-term structure for artists to keep their own shit. And, you know, until you can offer that, you're going to keep seeing this probably. I love this move for them. I mean, it's essentially their max deal. You know, you get to right. cash out. I mean, and, you know, they're going to split up 140. I mean, that buys, that buys a pretty decent house, and you can do whatever you want with that. So, yeah. And it's not like the money stops. That's right. the thing. This is one element of their income. Like, how much money does the Red Hot Chili Peppers still make if they decide to do two months of touring, and a new merch line on their merch store. Yeah. You know, they're still coming home with millions of dollars. So it's like, it's not like they're in the poorhouse. Hmm. For a band this big, 
this is one source of their income. And it's actually, in some ways, probably the most mediocre source of income for them. So, like, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I, I see no reason for these bands not to do this at yeah. this point. And it seems like, I mean, like, do they really think, like, getting their songs on, like, ads and stuff is going to amass $140 million in the rest of their life? This is, like, a great payday. So, yeah, I love it. All right, Benny, we're going to final story here today. A trial by the NHS in England is trying to see if an algorithm can curate music playlists to reduce suffering in Alzheimer's patients as well as in stressed medical staff. A test among people with dementia found an algorithm that prescribes songs based on the listener's personal background and taste tends to uh, result in reduced heart rate and up to a 22% lower agitation and distress. Uh, the algorithm allows software, which is linked to a thing like Spotify or wherever you listen to music, to change the forthcoming tracks if the, uh, if the prescription doesn't appear to be working, a.k.a. lowering their heart rate and all that stuff. Uh, its artificial intelligence system assesses the DNA of songs, examining 36 different qualities, including tempo, key time signatures, and the amount of... Uh, uh, syncopation and the lowest notes all to kind of make the best environment for people to feel ease and calm. Benny, I I love this. This almost feels medicinal. I want someone to like prescribe me uh, 16 hours of Miles Davis after a long day. What do you make of this? I love it too. I really do. I think you're seeing, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but there definitely seems to be a rise in the idea of music therapy as being like a functional thing for all sorts of ailments and illnesses. Um, you know, I, I know they've had a lot of headway in it with like, you know, uh, people with autism and stuff like that. So I, I love the fact that this is going that way and really proving the very like, um, cathartic and physical relationship that the body and the mind can actually have to music. I particularly love this for people with no advocate. And, you know, that's that's something that I think is got a little bit of attention through the COVID thing. But there are a lot of people like sitting in nursing homes, sitting in assisted living, sitting in these places like totally alone. Um, they don't have advocates. They don't have family. They don't have someone coming in telling them what their favorite things are like. So it's the, the guest is as good as any. And if you actually have, a, um, you know, data and, and analytics that can potentially like ease these people's experience, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's really worth a try. I did think of one pitfall. It's not exactly funny, but it is a pitfall to this. Like, you know, if there is family and there are advocates should really be careful and try to like create a playlist for them because like songs can be triggering, <laughs> you know? So even though because of the analytics, like your age and your taste might lend itself to a particular track, that track could have been like your breakup song. It could have been related to like some trauma. I have like songs and albums that relate me exactly to experiences and stuff. So you got to be careful with that. I think maybe, you know, years ago, Ian Perkins told me that you should always carry a very handsome picture of yourself in your wallet in case you die because they always take the worst one for your like TV and newspaper photos. So maybe, you know, 
in a in a pragmatic sort of way, the same way you would do your last will and testament for money, maybe you should like before your mind slips, you try to get a final playlist together and at least songs that like, no, 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 no. When things are bad, this is the last thing I want to hear. So maybe we can think ahead and start creating uh, pre-playlists for ourselves just to ensure that the computer doesn't play like the song, you know, uh, Jenny Smith broke your heart to when you were 16 years old or something. It makes so much sense that this has found its way into science. I mean, think about how long it takes to get to med school and then to rise up the up the ranks at either a university or a research. This is the people that grew up making mixtapes, you know, having mm. listened to the radio, putting it all together. They've just become well, world-renowned doctors. And I love that, you know, you can start out making the mixtape for your crush when you're in, like, middle school and, like, stuff like that. And then, you know, the the evolution of science goes right up there. But you're you're exactly right. I would also be worried, you know, like you don't want to like put a song that elevates the heart rate. Like if I put on like my like running playlist, right? Like like say like somebody like finds that be like, oh, like this gave him like comfort and like stuff like that. And then next thing you know, I got like like Beastie Boys and stuff on like repeat. That's bad for the heart rate too. It'll make me happier. But it, it's back to the Yeah, I, that could be good for another way, though. I mean, because that's the thing. Like, if, you know, say, yeah, like, if if this were to work for me, you know, eventually there would be, like, an At The Gate song, <laughs> a Metallica song, uh, a Mastodon song, you know, one of these really heavy bands that I truly love. But my connection to music is very physical because I came out of, like, the punk and hardcore scene, mm-hmm. you know, like, to the point that I remember my brother and I listening to an album getting so worked up that we jumped out of the car at a red light, started moshing, you know, like sort of swinging our arms in the middle of the street. So uh, I think, you know, (laughs) the music that would get me going would elevate my heart rate, but you'd also see me smile, maybe start tapping around, you know, maybe get up and dance. What if I just like, (laughs) What if, what if you just like tapped into like an old hardcore kid with Alzheimer's and all of a sudden just jumps out of the chair and starts kickboxing, floor punching, and they're all like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I see it like we're both going to have a ton of Luther Vandross on this playlist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, just the same way that we start the podcast. And, you know, we'll think back to our lovely years doing the tune-up when we think Yeah, back. I mean, it all serious. <laughs> Seriousness, like I have experience with this. I'm trying to keep it light. Yeah. But I have seen somebody with really advanced Alzheimer's be able to connect with the past, you know, uh, and be able to connect with things that mean a lot to them. They're not totally gone. Mm. And and any sliver you can give to people to remind them of something good, remind them of their old life. It's a very good thing. And I think this is a very uh, valuable study. I hope I hope more goes into it. That's right. And we're all about optimism and going forward and all of that good stuff here on the tune up. And if you want to comment on anything we talked about today, you can email us at the tune up podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you want to follow us on social, we're at the tune up HQ on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz one, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Danny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Everybody love everybody.
Gotham FC playing in the first New York Championship game since 2014. Let's bring it home, ladies. Keep listening to the tune-up. <laughs> <laughs>